What is up, all you cool cats and kittens? This is Tanner from TamMBaseballFan.com. Thank you for joining me tonight and listening in on the show, which I use that term very, very loosely. This isn't really even a podcast, I guess, because there's like no super cool intro music. There's no like regular time schedule. There's nothing about this. It's like it resembles a podcast. It's just basically me, uh, you know, talking. <laughs> That's really about it. Um, I will try to get better at this though, as time goes by, whenever I have time. Um, I know there's another, a number of people that want to be uh, guests on the show and uh, that want to be interviewed, which I love interviewing. I just have had some, uh, you know, program glitches that wouldn't allow me to for a while. So I will revisit that a little later. And I would love to have some semblance of normalcy and consistency in this, uh, in this podcast, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. It just, uh, it never seems to work out for me too well, but, um, I'm feeling optimistic about this and we'll see. And so as this episode, uh, unfolds, you will, uh, no doubt see me going off of a lot of different tangents and rabbit trails, whatever you want to call them, because frankly, there's just, ah, oh, there's so much about this hobby that I love and so much that I want to talk about all the time, like literally all the time. Um, so start off with, I want to talk about something that's like really cool. Uh, so I was able to, uh, hop on to Facebook. I, <laughs> if you're a Facebook, uh, if you follow me on Facebook, if you're friends with me on Facebook, uh, it's not a situation of I was able to hop on Facebook because <laughs> I'm on it quite a bit. Uh, I share memes like crazy. So, uh, anyways, if you want to have a nice, clean, uh, constant source of like PG rated memes, uh, look me up on Facebook, and uh, yeah, you will uh, hopefully have a lot much, uh, a lot more laughter in your day to day routine if you are on Facebook. So, uh, I know one thing that put a smile on my face earlier, a day or two ago, I was tagged by somebody, uh, his name is Drew, and he's the podcast guy over at Let Me Get That Podograph. He is certainly somebody that uh, you surely have heard about before. Um, and hang on one second here. Okay, so obviously this whole thing is unscripted. Uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm doing my uh, usual walk at night around my neighborhood, and there's a truck that uh, that comes up to me asking something. So I wasn't sure what he was wanting, so I had to put a pause on this. But anyways, I am back. Uh, <laughs> how funny. So anyways, uh, something really cool happened to me a day or two ago. So Drew from Let Me Get That Potograph, uh, and by the way, guys, like this goes to show you, I do like no editing of this whatsoever. This is literally just me talking as I'm walking in my neighborhood and I hit uh, save and upload and that's it. Um, <laughs> so otherwise this would be a whole lot, uh, more polished if I sat down and did some editing and stuff. So I apologize. Just kind of, kind of roll with me here and, uh, we'll get through this. But anyway, so Drew from Let Me Get That Potograph, uh, mentioned me in one of his, uh, most recent, uh, podcasts. He said, Hey Tanner, check it out. You were mentioned. I was like, okay, cool. So I, uh, take a listen and it turns out he's interviewing, uh, somebody that I just really look up to. I respect he is, you know, just synonymous with the hobby. Uh, it's Dr. James Beckett. I, uh, obviously love the name so much. I, 
named my own kid after him. Um, and I know a lot of people think that's a little strange, but keep in mind, you're listening to a guy that was named by uh, his parents from somebody in the movie Bad News Bears. <laughs> so uh, the apple does not fall far from the tree, I guess. Uh, anyways, so Dr. James Beckett um, is being interviewed by Drew on his podcast. And I'm listening. I was like, huh, I wonder when my name is brought up. So I was thinking, you know, Drew probably says something about that crazy Jose Canseco guy or something. I just don't know. And uh, come to find out, Dr. Beckett uh, brings up my name. He says, oh, yes. And then Tanner Jones, um, I need to have him uh, on my show. Uh, he's a great interview and just a really good guy. And, uh, man, guys, like... <laughs> It does not get any better than that. Well, it kind of does, actually. I was uh, able to talk to him um, shortly after that one, uh, and uh, he told me that uh, he read my book and loved it. I mean, okay, I just, <laughs> I could get one and two stars here from here on out, and it just doesn't matter. <laughs> I, got a, I got a glowing review from Dr. James Beckett, and uh, guys, like, that means so much to me, and it's things like this in the hobby that like really uh, give me so much satisfaction. And uh, on top of that, like he's just like, you know, I don't know. You have heroes where, you know, you're, uh, or people that you just really like uh, and look up to. Uh, your values don't really kind of seem to align with theirs. Man, that's not the case with him. He is a solid guy. Like I really, I really am uh, thankful to be able to uh, get to know him and to have uh, been able to have met him. So, uh, anyways, uh, give him a little plug. I gave Drew a plug for, let me get that potograph. Check that out if you haven't already, uh, check out, uh, uh, Dr. Beckett's, uh, podcast. He does like a 15 minute section, uh, session every day, uh, aside from, uh, Saturday or Sunday and holidays, I think, uh, but very consistent. And that guy is like a wealth of knowledge. Um, he's pretty much the reason we have assigned values to baseball cards today. So, uh, gosh, I mean, like you just, you just gotta go over there and check him out. Uh, I, I think it's sports card insights. If I remember correctly, uh, if that's not the name of his podcast, Google Dr. Beckett podcast, it will come up and I guarantee you guys it is worth it. Um, it's a, it's a great listen. So, um, yeah, like I said, that was like the, the highlight of, the week, just hearing some good words from him, knowing that he knows who I am, that he read my book, he loves it, and you know, that was just, that was incredible. So, uh, now, uh, as far as actual baseball cards go, uh, I wanted to talk today a little bit about, um, about baseball card regrets, and we're talking about the times when you might have sold uh, something for too little or traded something away that you regretted later. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very appropriate time for me to talk about this because I've done a lot of massive moves in the past, like, you know, three or four months. And uh, I wanted to kind of, kind of sit back and, and analyze those a little bit with you and see if there's uh, some way that you can, you know, possibly connect with this and, and maybe see... Uh, silver lining to any kind of dark clouds that you might have uh, uh, come in contact with uh, in your uh, hobby journey. So 
uh, I've talked about this like so much, like obviously uh, uh, what I've been doing over the past year. So I'm just going to do a quick recap. Uh, 2019, I got into vintage. I got some fantastic cards that were just great. I just loved them. Uh, I ended up selling them and, uh, you know, I made a little bit of money, but if I could have, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, what it could should have, but, um, if I, uh, could do it over again, um, I probably, and this is like Tanner speaking, like right after they were sold. Okay. Uh, so if I could have, uh, if I wanted to get like the most money out of them, I would have sold them one piece at a time and, Granted, I would still be selling because they are some pretty heavy pieces, uh, but that's the way I could have maximized my profit, and I just didn't do that. You know, I made a decent amount of money. Like, it's making any money is better than losing it, right? So, uh, I should call it a win, but guys, like, every now and then, I'll take a look and go, oh, that one card in that lot that I sold did really well. Oh, this other card did really well, too. Um, so... <laughs> I'll give you a couple examples. And, uh, you know, first of all, the first ones I sold off was not my vintage, but was actually my, uh, my graded newer rookie collection. It wasn't a collection really is something really of more of an investment, but I wasn't really sure how the, how the graded market for like the high, the high grade market for newer rookies was going to do. So I decided, you know, now is the time to move out of them. And, uh, you know, I, I never really looked at them. I never really enjoyed them all that much. Like they were just kind of <laughs> PSA slabs are kind of stacked on top of my, uh, bookshelf and you know, it's not really fun. I know, I know investment's not supposed to be fun. And, you know, some people will say that, you know, you can't, uh, invest in baseball cards. So, you know, as a, as a warning, I'll, I'll, I'll say this right now. I use the term investment loosely. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's merely a, it's not just merely a vehicle that I plan on putting money in, uh, for it to return me gains later. Uh, though that was part of it, you know, certainly, but, uh, with all that said, um, they just weren't bringing me all kinds of joy or anything. Like I had, uh, an 80 tops, Ricky Henderson, PSA 8.5 and, 82 tops traded, Ripken PSA 9, 89 upper deck Griffey PSA 10, you know, all those. And uh, great cards. I'm thinking of actually starting another little side project of just raw special cards from the 80s um, and putting them in a binder. You know, there's no sense in, you know, for me anyway, uh, spending hundreds of dollars on a, uh, like, let's say the 82 tops traded PSA 9 Ripken is 200 bucks or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great card. It probably will go up, you know, probably, probably will continue to increase in value. Uh, but for what I'm doing, maybe a, uh, you know, $30, $40 raw version in a binder, whatever it is, I haven't checked the prices. I think that'll do just fine for what I'm trying to trying to do. Uh, same goes with like a four dollars Mattingly and all these others. I mean, there's some that can get like wildly expensive, especially when you get into PSA 10 territory. So one of them that was kind of like a, oh, you know, uh, smacking myself in the forehead was, uh, you know, looking at the uh, 89 Upper Deck Griffey. So um, I sold it when they were selling for around the $750 range. COVID comes in. I go, well, 
like when I sold that, I was like, you know what? I really would like to get one back because it's just an iconic car. Like, you, what's what's better than getting a perfect uh, perfect example, that slab and everything of, uh, you know, pr- really the the most iconic card of the junk wax era, you know? And and so I was thinking about. It. I made a few offers. I think I made a few offers of like six fifty, six seventy five on uh, on some of them out there, and then. Uh, I actually said, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold off right now because we have COVID that's causing problems with the market. And there's just something, I don't know, I have a feeling that this can go to 500. I could pick up one then if I want it. Um, otherwise, why not just pick up a raw copy for 20 or 30 bucks, you know? Um, so, uh, <laughs> well, as fate would have it, that's not how it goes. That's not how it went. So I checked today and there were multiple copies that have sold for over a grand. <laughs> it seems like this happens to me quite a bit. So, uh, but I guess that's what happens when you move cards around a lot. Um, so, uh, you know, here I am, you know, wishing I didn't sell for cheap and, and all that. But the, the thing is, is that was like just one little tiny sliver of the whole pie. You know, so I was able to do great things with the rest of the money. Uh, by putting it into cardboard and you know, I, I certainly don't regret it uh, Which is a great way to look at it. but another card is the uh, uh, Which is interesting 2011 tops Mike Trout uh, Diamond PSA 10 Now in my last podcast. I talked about how I traded that um, plus cash for my 52 tops mantle now there's some weird things going on with that card, guys. Like uh, the trout, that is, is really kind of strange. So I uh, I did the trade, and you know, there's not a bone in my body that you know regrets that trade at all. Of course, I mean, how can you regret that? <laughs> but but uh, as I traded it, the day that it actually made it to the hands of the new owner, um, or maybe it's the day before, I'm not sure. Uh, PWCC puts up. Uh, PSA 10 diamond like okay this would be interesting and I'm watching along and you know the uh, the owner of the new diamond uh, of mine he told me like a day or two after he's like you know Tanner I'm gonna put that for auction like what no that's crazy man don't do that you know I didn't think it would be a good idea for him to do that because like you know this COVID thing and just feel like it's a card that would do well uh, better down the road uh, for him, but he puts it up, and I'm like, okay, man. Well, I I wish you the best. Don't tell me if this hits ten grand or whatever, <laughs> you know, because you uh, you obviously want a card that you have in your possession to do all of its growth before it leaves your collection. Um, but on the other hand, you just want this thing to go to the moon for the new guy because that would just be fantastic for him. So. Um, uh, yeah, interesting things have happened. So, uh, first of all, I'm going to preface everything by saying this. Uh, I put that card up for sale for between $6,500 and $7,000 um, about a week or two before I did the trade. And there was like a couple people that were interested in doing a trade, but nobody said, yes, seven grand, I'll take it. Yes, $6,500, I'll take it. Same thing with uh, when I put it up for five grand at the end of January. Nobody touched it. You know, that one was on eBay. The others weren't. 
Um, the six five hundred seven thousand, I put them up for put it up for sale on the Facebook uh, groups, uh, the forums, and like just yeah, <laughs> nothing. I mean, I'm super happy nobody touched it, but uh, then this is kind of what makes everything all that strange, all that more strange. PWCC puts theirs up, and last night, honest to goodness, it ends at seven thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars. So that was like almost a thousand dollar gain. And the one that I have up, or the one that was mine that's up there now, is at seventy nine hundred and ends in a couple days. So if y'all are interested, go check it out. By the way, beautiful card, and uh, you know definitely worthy of anyone's collection. But um, the interesting thing that I saw about this, which was like really, really, really kind of strange. I looked in the Terapeak uh, sales uh, history and the sale that happened for $79.50 uh, last night does not show up. So I looked at the bid history and the top two people uh, have zero feedback. So it sounds to me that it was pumped up like fake. Uh, which is kind of strange. And I, I, I don't know. I, I looked at a few others because there have been a handful that have sold for seven grand and higher over the past like month or so. And about half of them aren't real. Like it doesn't look like it's real anyways because uh, they don't even show up in the sales history. So I thought it was kind of strange. I don't really know what to make of it. I guess my, my thinking is uh, one of two things. Number one, uh, somebody could just have a personal vendetta out against PWCC and they could be like, uh, you know, fake high bidding the auctions and, you know, uh, causing them to fail or whatever. I don't really know all of the inner workings of that or whatever, but, uh, so, th so maybe that's not as likely, but the next thing that might be likely is perhaps some people are creating fake accounts to pump up the value of their own. And I think that quite, I think that could be possible. Um, and maybe that's been happening uh, all along just to make sure that the, uh, the value stays up. Now, I have an email out to PWCC asking if the uh, bidder did pay and if not, if it's going to be up for sale again. I haven't received um, an answer yet, but one thing I did find interesting is somebody did just post their uh, trial up for sale for $69.99 uh, today or yesterday and it sold for... Uh, for that full price, uh, which again, about $1,000 less than what the last one sold at auction, allegedly, uh, in about 15 minutes. So, I don't know. Something seems fishy. And uh, not sure how we fix that sort of thing. I guess the way to do it is to um, not allow people with zero feedback to bid on your stuff. I just don't know. I mean, it was really kind of a, kind of a strange thing. So, um you know, I don't know. I, I do wish uh, the new owner of the trout the, all the best. I hope that this card does really, really well. And uh, that was mine. And I'll tell you right now, like, it looks like the highest bidder actually has uh, good feedback. So uh, I think that's good. Um, I think that's really, really good for him. Now, uh, the thing that kind of irks me a little bit is I wonder, there's this nagging question in the back of my head is that card high because of the artificially, the potentially artificially pumped value of the previous one? Because uh, 
a lot of times the way that we value cards is not based on what's in our own heads or what they've necessarily sold for in the past as much as what we think they will sell for or what we think they have sold for recently um, that's not necessarily in the sales history. And uh, that's kind of a problem. And uh, I've seen this a lot also, like even with myself, when I was really into uh, super collecting Ken Seiko, I could say like, oh man, this like beautiful, you know, 90s, whatever, or one of one or whatever it was, man, I'd love to have that. I think I could probably pay $100. Well, if I get educated and somebody says, no, Tanner, that is not a $100 card. That's like a $700 card. Well, guess what? Um, my views of the value change and so do my expectations. So the next time one pops up for 500, um, with that thought of $700 valuation in my head, I pull the trigger super fast as opposed to left to my own devices previously. I think, well, I'm not touching that. It's five times what I think it's worth. You know, so it's kind of funny how, how this all works. Um, and, uh, so I, I worry that that might be happening with the trout. I don't know though. Like I still think that that card is like got some more, uh, gas in the tank. So this very well could be a legitimate thing. Um, and it very well could hit 10 grand. I would not be surprised to be honest with you. Um, if it hit that, like I do think it's got room to grow, whether that's like this year or not, I just don't know. Um, and the other thing that kind of, uh, makes me a little nervous about it is just all the parallels. But I will say this, like barring the, you know, blue sapphire, if there is one or whatever it is, um, I don't know what it's called. Like, I think there's a, there's a, uh, lower numbered version of it. But aside from that one, or the, the few there are out there, uh, I think the diamond is the prettiest out of all of them. And so, uh, you know, it was, it was definitely a pleasure to, uh, to own while I had it, you know, for sure. Um, but you know, it's, uh, something that kind of doesn't really seem to fit too well into what I'm doing right now. Uh, but you know, Hey, you never know down the road. Uh, yeah, I'm very fickle when it comes to collecting. So I might look at it and go, Oh man, I missed that card. That's fantastic. But to be honest with you, like I had it for almost exactly a year and there wasn't really a time when I was just like, Oh man, this is just an amazing card. Like I don't fawn over it. Like I do the Sheila Joe Jackson or the Ty Cobb or whatever, you know, um, or any of the Kinsecos I have for that matter, you know? Um, so I think, uh, I still think that was like a really, really good trade for both of us. I think we we're both happy. Um, and you know, 52 mantle, like <laughs> that's another one. I just, you know, I drool over it. You know, I, I never really drooled over the trout, but I will say this. There are definitely people out there that, uh, that would drool over the trout. And, uh, I get it. I get it completely. Cause for one thing, it's prettier than the mantle. It, it's all sparkly and it shines nice in the light and everything. And, uh, you know, and that's like a nice little candidate for, uh, what I normally do with those cards is rocking them back and forth in light and doing a little video and everything. Um, you can't exactly do that with a 52 tops mail, right? <laughs> it is, uh, the 52 tops mail is more like art, uh, because it's, uh, you know, frankly, the, you know, the most, uh, 
iconic baseball card uh, out there, aside from the T206 wagon, of course. Um, so, anyways, all that to say, yeah, it's uh, uh, interesting. It's interesting because, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, come back full circle talking about regrets. You know, there's, uh, there are ways that I could have regretted selling that because, look, you know, the, when I had it, I had a valuation of six, five hundred, seven grand, and nobody touched it. Um, right when I hand it over, it's eBay, and it's almost at eight grand right now. Uh, the way I valued it, based on the cash that I gave with it for the mantle, um, I'm good. You know, I'm very good. Like I, I've got uh, my my investment is uh, my cash investment total with white paper for the trout is about half of what the mantle's worth. So, you know, I don't think I'll ever or I'll ever be a way that I'll regret this. But, you know, then again, uh, <laughs> I had a 2009 Bowman Chrome uh, refractor autograph of Mike Trout uh, that I bought for 500 years and years ago. And I was so happy because I sold it like later that day for 900. <laughs> oh man, this is awesome. I love it. I just made 400 bucks, you know, but... <laughs> Oh my gosh, guys, like, <laughs> I think, I think that card's up to like 20 grand now or something like that. Uh, so, you know, I, but the thing is, is I never in a million years would have kept a card that expensive that I wasn't emotionally invested in at the time. Certainly not Trout years ago because I just didn't really know a whole lot about him. And, you know, I think he's a fantastic uh, player for sure. And I love that guy, uh, you know, and, and so I don't think he's going to be a stranger uh, in my collection, but, uh, you know, he's not something that I feel safe with or felt safe with to keep back then. Um, so yeah, <laughs> anyways, that was kind of, that's probably my main regret. And I'll tell you another regret that I had, uh, and, and keep in mind all these regrets I ended up doing well with, like I made money, but just not as much as I could have if I kept, but hindsight's 2020. Um, and so I remember what I did was, uh, I bought a bunch of 2011 Topps Update value boxes, um, or wherever they're called, uh, from uh, Blowout on their uh, Black Friday uh, special. Like, I had a huge stack of them, like, just a boatload of them. And, uh, you know, I, I remember when they uh, doubled in price or something, and, like, I think I had $10 in each of them. And I remember they ended up uh, finally selling for like 40 each or something. I was like, man, <laughs> I pat myself on the back. Oh, that was great. I can't believe I did that well. Man, I am so good at this. And, you know, now they sell for like, <laughs> last I checked, like 500 bucks or something. Uh, so I, I had like a, a small fortune sitting in my garage. And I didn't even know it really because uh, they weren't a small fortune at that point. But, uh, but yeah, it was really kind of... Kind of funny because we all have our our trout stories, I think, and uh, you know, so that's mine. But but yeah, so I guess uh, you know the motivation is uh, for you all, I think, is to uh, uh, think not necessarily about a regret that you have, uh, and that's the end of it. But think rather what you could do with that money uh, whenever you got it. So for me, I. Uh, I didn't do nearly as well as I could have uh, with uh, not necessarily the trout. The trout was like a was a no-brainer slam dunk for me. But like the A9 Upper Deck Griffey and you know, some of these other cards, uh, had I not sold those 
And I just came to this realization uh, a couple days ago because I've been kind of beating myself up a little bit about it. Um, had I not sold this, I would not have gotten uh, my Cracker Jack Cobb or my Cracker Jack Shield Show Jackson. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe a few of these other cards, like the the Goodwin 1888 Goodwin set and all this. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> so like while I could have uh, done better selling them one at a time, I would have lost out on a huge opportunity. So I'm super glad for that. So um, just remember that, guys, like for you as well. Um, in the future, uh, you know, it's, it's never... It's never a complete and utter loss if you have to sell out for, uh, you know, less than what you should have made, or even if uh, you didn't make uh, as much as your initial investment. Um, you could always bring that money in and, uh, you know, do something great with it, even greater than if you didn't have that money. I mean, and the thing is, is like that one deal, that one like spine tingling deal that keeps you up at night could literally just be around the corner. You, know, you just got to keep your eyes open and uh, your nose to the grindstone to do some uh, uh, research and uh, and keep digging and everything. And so the way I like to think about it is, let's say, for instance, uh, that 89 Upper Deck Griffey PSA 10. Um, nobody in their right mind would not want that card, right? But having the cash instead is like having one of those wild uh, blank Scrabble pieces in a game of Scrabble. I'm using the Scrabble term because I'm actually uh, uh, heavily into playing Wars with Friends online, so you know, hit me up if you want to start a game over there. Uh, but having the blank tile is fantastic because it's the wild card. You know, you can do whatever you want at that point, and you can uh, do crazy words and score kinds of crazy kinds of points. Uh, with that if as opposed to if it were like some other uh, obscure letter or something so uh, the obscure letter might have an assigned value and that assigned value might be high but a wild card a blank scrabble piece you can do things that you would not be able to do otherwise so think of it that way think of the money that even if you if you bought a PSA 10 Griffey uh, tonight for $1,000 and let's say this uh, this COVID thing hits our economy and, and comes to the card market and it drops and then you only have $600 that's worth and you, and you cash out. Well, guess what? You've got $600 that you can do something amazing with. You just got to dig deep and not only uh, do you have $600, but you have a boatload of motivation and fire in your belly to go forward and do something amazing with it. And like I said, that spine tingling, keep you up at night deal literally could just be around the corner. So you always gotta be ready. Um, and so that's a part of this hobby. You know, you're gonna buy some cards uh, today that are not gonna be worth as much tomorrow. That's just how it goes. And it's okay. It's okay. You know, so don't beat yourself up too much about it. Uh, just remember that it's an opportunity. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of my story uh, for this past few months. And uh, so I thank you for listening to it. I hope it didn't bore you too much. It's been uh, an exciting ride for me as almost literally every every path in this collecting journey has been for me. It's just been so cool. Like the wins and losses, I'll take them all. 
because uh, it's fun. And uh, hope the same for you. So thank you guys for listening, and I hope you all have a fantastic weekend.